Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of the Rants, Raves, and Rentals podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Fritz, here with my co-host, Joe Lyman. And today we're going to talk about what the heck this podcast is supposed to be, who we are, and why why you should listen to us about any of this. Um, so we started this podcast because we are part of RMI, which are the founders of Advantage 365, which is uh, an ERP software for companies that rent, sell, and service equipment. And we have brought many, many customers from the bottom up as far as business goes um, to get them live on our software. And so we have a lot of knowledge about the rental industry and nothing to do with it. So um, we thought we'd start a podcast and kind of bring everyone in together on it. We'll hear from experts. We'll talk about general rental industry things. And um, for today, we're going to go over just some basic overview, but we'll talk about that in a minute. First, I want you to learn a little bit more about your hosts. Um, so, you know what, Joe, I've done enough talking for the moment. Why don't you start us off? What got you into rentals or what's a fun story? Just just tell me a little bit more. Sure. Um, my first foray into the rental industry probably is more of how I conceived of what rentals are versus someone that owns an item and that dates back to my family owned a chain of pharmacies growing up in the Merrimack Valley of Massachusetts and being a family business we all worked in the pharmacies and I do remember my dad at one point wanting to get into the rentals of durable medical equipment and at that time it was crutches it was walkers it was wheelchairs and being a young kid I was kind of tasked with ringing up the items at the front of the office, front of the store, cards and cough medicine and whatnot. And my dad was in the back with filling the prescriptions. And I remember specifically being told these items here aren't ones that you want to ring up on your own. They're ones that we have to get a contract going back in the back store because they're items that can be possibly paid for by themselves or put on a rental contract. So that was kind of my first concept of how things in business might be rented versus versus uh, owned. And then uh, eventually I went into the health insurance industry during my 20s and durable medical equipment was certainly something that was tricky on a health insurance plan um, when there was a durable medical equipment benefit, whether an item was rented or owned. So that, that was pretty much my foray into that. And then when I looked here at RMI, it was great because that was durable medical equipment is one of the items that are on our list of rentals. Wow. You know, we've been working together a couple years now, and I did not know that your family used to own pharmacies and you knew, you know, durable medical equipment kind of was your first, um, you know, foray, as you said. That's cool. Um my story is dates back to college, and um, I <laughs> hated doing dishes. This is relevant, I promise. Um, and my roommates would tell you I hated doing dishes because I would make dishes and then I would not do them. I just hated washing them. So um, I had an idea, or actually I sat there wishing one day, like, I wish there was just a dishwasher that would sit on a counter and plug into the sink so that I wouldn't have to wash my dishes. I could just put them in the dishwasher. 
And then I thought, this is the 21st century. That has to exist. And I looked it up and it did exist. And it came with an optional five-year warranty that covered parts and labor. And so I, it's got me thinking like, wait, so I could guarantee a five-year useful life if I had this percent utilization and I rented it for this month. And so I just kind of, it got the ball rolling and I realized what a great idea rentals in general was. Um, my friend and I actually, we, we co-founded the Entrepreneurship Club at our college to try to get some college funding to, to start that business. Um, I won't take you all down the very disappointing memory lane um, on that debacle. No love lost for my alma mater on that one. But um, that was my first foray. And then, of course, right out of college, um, I actually started working at RMI and have basically been working there ever since. I won't um, date myself and tell you how long it's been, but long enough. <laughs> And so I've basically, if you think about it, only ever been with the rental industry. Um, so our customers, like Joe mentioned, we have medical equipment, we have trailers, we have portable storage, we have lifts, we have fence rental, traffic safety, environmental equipment, like basically anything that you could rent, we have customers that rent, sell, or service it. So like I mentioned before, we had all this knowledge and nothing to do with it. So we wanted to use today and this podcast to talk to you a little bit about where the rental industry, equipment rentals specifically, as a whole, was projected to be this year versus where it actually went due to COVID and maybe where projections are showing that it's headed. And um, Joe's the smart one over here, so um, I know he's prepared some stuff for that. So, Joe, what are we looking at? Sure. Well, um, certainly give the credit to the ARA, the American Rental Association, uh, what they do is really wonderful is they perform quarterly analysis of the rental equipment industry and they give you insights on projections up to five years so that's really helpful for those in the industry and just looking back it was kind of interesting to see um, what the trends were as early as um, august of 2019 they were projecting $71.1 billion revenue in the rental market for North America. And then when they did their next quarterly update in November, it went down a little bit. Their, their projection was 70.45, and they try to explain it a little bit. Well, maybe this has to do with the slowing down of um, the global economy, and they, they linked it to maybe at the time there was trade tensions with China. So it's interesting to see how, you know, these things that we hear about in the news can slightly af affect the projections. And then by February of 2020, this is right before um, the COVID reaction, uh, it was $71.3 billion projection. So it went up a little bit from from November and they, huh. they, they indicated it was people were um, in less fear of a recession. And then, lo and behold, um, end of February, March 2020. One recession later. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just, um, you know, not too many days after, um, you know, the, the global markets really reacted to COVID. And at that point in time, uh, I think it looks like the ARA, they put a little bit of a pause on projecting um, or handing over those quarterly analyses given uh, just uh, the skittishness of the market and, and not really be able, being able to project accurately. But what they did do 
is they did uh, use their membership to conduct surveys and um, they you know they definitely said that the rental revenues were seriously declining at the beginning of March in 2020 and they were worrying just getting the feedback from their membership that um, that this trend was going to continue to deteriorate in the upcoming months and uh, their numbers that they compiled uh, came back uh, with in specifically the event and party rental uh, rental market it was 55 percent of those companies were experiencing 60 percent revenue loss and Oof. yeah so that was really hard for that segment i mean that's understandable because they were one of the first ones i think that got like shut down and everything and they weren't essential and that even now they're not totally back right and with the event party rental what they did cite was it was different from the rest of the rental market that kind of um it might have the future might be a little bit uncertain but maybe we'll make it work with this or that and there were so many uncertainties that there was somewhat of an optimism but with the event and party rental you know just with the regulations that went in place from state governments that events had to be terminated immediately so there were all of these fundraisers and uh, festivals and corporate events planned for the months of April and May and June and July that just immediately got shut down. So. I mean, we we were not immune to that either. And the trickle down from that was pretty big. We go to, you know, several trade shows a year and every single one of them um, was canceled. And that's, you know, the the businesses that rent the like you said, the the entertainment rentals, they rent the TVs, the, the businesses that design booths, the um, moving companies like the the effect is and was enormous. Mm-hmm. Right, and then um, the the survey came coming back from um, construction and industrial tool rental market. You know, at that point there was you know thirty seven percent, which showed no loss at that point in time, which is a little interesting. Thirty seven percent of the tool and construction companies right. showed no loss. Yeah, there's so there's surveys that they they put out in in March that 37% of the respondents showed no loss. I can hear your Boston accent in March. <laughs> and then 33% uh, showed 15% revenue loss, and only 3% showed 60% revenue loss. So, um, you know, the remainder of that 27% was in between that range. But, um, you know, you can see a little bit more optimistic at that point in March than the event and party rental. And it might have to do, I think there was some sort of uh, mention that projects were still underway. Um, people were still uh, building and um, the furloughs were happening, but folks were still continuing to work, um, you know, given their maybe a sparse staff, but this, the projects still were going forward. And, you know, I mean, I know that our customers fall into all of these different categories, events and tool and construction and et cetera. But of the ones that I've been talking to recently, they a lot some of them say like we have just been swamped. And I I don't know if these natural disasters that we keep having are godsends. Maybe they are for the rental companies, but man, twenty twenty keeps coming and it will not stop coming. <laughs> Yeah, so that that's basically what the AR, ARA found. And then 
there was some small, um, you know, I think uh, eventually people wanted to to start to prog prognosticate again, and Market Watch had a uh, a prognostication of specifically HVAC rental equipment and construction equipment globally, where the or HVAC rental equipment was projected from to 2024 going up to 1.53 billion and um, construction 20.86 billion. So um, they did cite the fact that there was more certainty in these realms because they knew of construction uh, projects that were not necessarily affected by COVID that they were going forward anyway. Construction of data centers needed to happen. Construction of commercial and residential construction was still going forward. So those two segments of the of the rental market had some predictability factors to it. So that's that's certainly um, what I found with the numbers. Um, and then we can um, certainly look at what's what's recent what we're seeing on the horizon but why don't stephanie you um take over here and... <laughs> well i mean i'm kind of piping in as as i hear interesting things but um you know is that all the numbers and the the dips and the projections that you heard does that kind of mesh with what you've been hearing from companies that we've been talking to because like i said a, a lot of the companies that i've spoken with and some of them are like you know, sandblasting equipment. And I have talked to a lot of lifts and general tool, but they all kind of say we're, forgive the expression, balls to the wall right now. Um, we're going hard and they, they haven't slowed down. I know that there's there's fear and there's people not wanting to expand their fleet right now, but I feel like, you know, a lot of equipment rental, maybe not so much events, but the equipment, um, construction type equipment hasn't seen hasn't been hit as hard and so i guess that matches up with what you found that like 37 percent had very little impact are you hearing the same things with the companies you're working with yeah i mean i'm hearing that in the sense that um there's definitely like you said um, a zeal to to work and not to slow down and not to see COVID as a hurdle um and i guess the hurdles are coming from the fact that projects are being put into a holding pattern or a company might not be at full strength because of a furlough and an uh, employee want to wait out the furlough, furlough to see how long it would um, be, be giving them their salary so they're not necessarily coming back to a company right away. So things like that in terms of just um, a slowdown of construction products, but nothing in terms of Oh, we're, we're concerned that we won't be able to rent. They're trying to make the adjustments happen so that you know, they're, they're selling and renting as, as much as they did before. Yeah. Without, you know, dipping our toes into politics, I do wonder what what the election will hold. Like as far as no matter who gets in afterwards, I think there will be big changes happening one way or another. So. Right. And I, and I agree, um, you know, same thing, not dipping into politics, but what we've learned from um, recent history, not in the U.S., but globally, is there does seem to be um, extreme shifts politically that happen. And I think people, especially in commerce, 
how trying to just adjust to that you know if a new president comes in or a new leader another country comes in you know if they're gonna do a different thing or do take a different take with china or iran and if it's going to hurt the global economy they just have to make their adjustments at the, the micro level knowing that there might be some facet of their business that might shift and i think people are more aware that they need to be a, ahead of the curve yeah that reminded me did have you ever seen the show community i haven't no. oh it's hilarious um <laughs> But there's a, a scene that's basically I, I've seen, you know, memes going around about this. But um, Troy, who's one of the characters, you know, he leaves to go get pizza because the pizza delivery guy's there and all of his friends are in his um, his apartment and they're like playing a game. And it says like, you know, that's that's 2019. We left the year and everything was fine. But by the time Troy gets back upstairs to his apartment with the pizzas, we've entered 2020 and the floor is on fire. One of them doesn't have their shirt on. Someone else is on the ground and it just like blew up in no time at all. So it just reminds me a little bit of that. Um, but is there is there a silver lining? Is there um, hope on the horizon? I know you have some more recent numbers. Do we have something to look forward to? There has been um, the Rental Equipment Register, which is a, a trusted uh, rental industry news outlet partnered with Baird Research, which is a financial institute that has a research arm to it. There were, this within this survey, they wanted to see um, um, a snapshot of quarter three. So they reached out to um, 90 respondents uh, to see what numbers looked like for July and August. Of this year? Yeah. So this was um so this was numbers taken by a survey and from July and August and they saw that um from the fifty eight percent of their responders saw uh increases in revenue in the month of July, whereby three percent uh increase in revenue dollars. So that's pretty significant three percent going up from a from a COVID quarter two slump. And seventeen uh, percent of the respondents were flat um, from quarter two, and only twenty five percent saw a decrease. But the decrease was less than five percent. So they they did indicate that was optimistic. And then August it wasn't as um, robust as July, but still pretty good. They saw forty eight respondents uh, show some growth, and um, more than half. Yeah, and thirty one flat. And 23, only 23% were down. So that was up from, you know, that was better than July. That's good. Baby steps. Right. And um, so, you know, they, and then there were some, they, you know, within the survey, they wanted to solicit perspectives from the folks that they reached out to. And there were some interesting, you know, comments made um, in at the wake of the survey. And basically... You know, contractors uh, that were calling on small business companies, they saw the there there being a shift from individuals who were doing home projects. So, if they were renting equipment, it was coming a lot. There was more of an increase coming from folks just going into their brick and mortar rental and saying, "Hey, can I rent this? Because I'm stuck at home and I'm doing a project in my basement and." Um, can I rent this equipment? So uh, there was that interesting observation that came out of this survey. And also that um, there were companies still not working 
at uh, full capacity were trying to make workarounds and um, they they noticed a trend that people were mentioning lines being really long at Home Depot so they would instead get frustrated with Home Depot and go to a small um, business that they hadn't ever rented from before so that was interesting. That's good. I can kind of or jump on top of that fact um, a little bit unrelated but lumber costs tripled in the last, I think between April and September, they went from like 300 something per board foot or per um, per thousand board feet to in September, uh, September 1st, I think they were at 900 something dollars per thousand board feet. So um, there has been, you know, like I mentioned before, the, the ripple of effects, but that could also have something to do with the long Home Depot lines that made me think of that. Right. Yeah, no, we're doing a renovation on our our basement as well and just the contractors kind of had been going slower than normal so we kind of shifted our focus to felling some trees on our land (laughs) Steph if you need any lumber oh my gosh yeah I'll I'll give you a call (laughs) um all right so there's there's hope on the horizon and it sounds like from what you from your numbers that at least some companies in the the rental industry are starting to see some type of recovery or at least they're not they're not plummeting anymore so that's good um i could tell you what industry specifically or what rental assets it might be good to have on hand if you're ready to move on to that joe sure thing um so these are the the top 10 rented items they are from uh it was from the ara as well, but I think it was updated in 2019. So the number one, actually, Joe, did you look at this? Do you want to guess what the number one rented item was? I do not know. I think I did see the list, but it escapes me. Okay. Um, Portable toilets, which isn't really that surprising if you think about it, because no matter what project you're renting, selling, and servicing for, you probably also need to rent a porta potty, or contractors do. but anyway, that may be changing. That may have changed for 2020 because especially with so many projects being put on hold or being non-essential, it's not like people are going to be there needing to use a portable toilet. So um, that may have changed for 2020, but I'll just kind of shoot down the list. So number one, the, the top rented item was portable toilets. Um, second most popular was scissor lifts, followed very closely by boom lifts, then backhoes, dump trucks, mini excavators, scaffolding, walk-behind trencher, a towable generator, and concrete tools. So do with that information what you will. If you are thinking of expanding your fleet um, or, you know, tentatively optimistic about, you know, future purchases, maybe put some of those in your lineup. Never hurts to know. So use that information how you will to inform future buying decisions, whatever that may be. Um, and Joe, I know, has some other information um, also from the ARA from that, that same article. And we'll, we'll do our best to post the links to all of our sources in the notes of this podcast. So if you have more questions or want a little more detail, um, you'll be able to go there. But um, Joe has some information about what type of contractors are renting equipment. Um, so these top types of equipment that are being rented, who is most likely to rent them for what project? So go ahead, Joe. Yeah, we're seeing that... Um residential building actually tops the list of 40 percent a specialty contractors 21 percent is next on the list Um, commercial building contractors 
approved for it. 11% landscaping contractors, 9% utility contractors, 6%, road and highway contractors, 4%, uh, site development and earth moving, 1%, and then 8% um, of other category finishes off that list. And I did a poor job of explaining what that was. So that was of contractors who rented equipment last year. What type of contracting did they do? Um, so then in general, of those contractors that rented, why they rented, and again, this is last year, this is 2019, 45% um, say it, said it just made more financial sense. 43% of them said they needed it immediately and they didn't want to or weren't ready to buy. Um, also, 43% needed, needed it infrequently or for a short period. I'm going to interrupt myself to say, obviously, they were allowed to select more than one option because we're already over 100%. 29% um, of contractors said they were just convenient to a rental store. 28% said they don't have space to store the equipment. 27% of contractors didn't want to deal with maintenance or repairs. 25% already owned it but needed more. So that's a, a sub-renting or re-renting um, scenario, which I know a lot of our customers have. And then 24% couldn't afford to buy or own. There were other options that were lower in the percentages, but I figure if a quarter of contractors are renting equipment for these reasons, also might be good to maybe include in your next marketing ad. So again, those top three, they said it made more financial sense. They needed it immediately and weren't ready to buy, or they needed it infrequently or for a short period. So use that how you will. Joe, do you have any other fun stats over there? No, just um, that is interesting to to see um, those numbers just in lieu of what they might look like in a post-COVID world, not knowing how yeah. long we're going to be dealing with this or how long it might impact our economy. Um, certainly with rentals, it's 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 something that hinges on availability of capital. So I'm wondering if that 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 24 percent number will will jump up a little bit uh, for folks that just can't afford to own. If we'll see that number spike a little bit. That's a really good point. I would bet that rental companies will be helping each other out because they're not going to want to expand their fleet for the time being. That's a good point. Yeah, I hope we can get updated numbers, um, you know, as the year wears on to see kind of where or even next year just to see where these numbers are then, you know, how they changed and how 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 things shifted in this type of calamity so that, you know, maybe we can predict it for the future. Right. I did also come across something interesting, too, how in the construction world, some of the bids that had been secured, so for any construction project that required a bidding process, whether it be commercial or government, uh, a lot of times these bids were being renegotiated. So To go lower or higher? Well, just the request to, to renegotiate them. In other words, because of COVID, um, whoever won the bid or the formal bidding process um, outcomes you know, some of these folks putting out the proposals said, "Hey, let's um, let's stop that one. Let's negate that bid winner and and go back to the drawing table because of COVID and and submit a new proposal and have 
folks uh, rebid on them. So Oh, partially because like the building process has to change because of social distancing and things right. like that? Just because there were radical changes. Gotcha, gotcha. They requested to rebid. Yeah, and I wonder, um, you know, the, the time value of money, a lot of things had to get put on hold because suddenly they weren't essential anymore. There's, yeah, very interesting times we're in. Well, I don't want to keep all of our listeners too long, um, all of them. I hope that we have hundreds. We'll see how well we do. <laughs> um, but I do want to um, wrap it up. We do have some upcoming episodes already planned. We're going to talk about um, safety, both the physical safety of employees and kind of the cyber safety. We have some talks scheduled with industry experts, um, presidents of their associate of the respective industry associations. Um, so that should be really interesting to see kind of industry specific how different parts have been affected um, or just how they're doing or just what they love about it. You know, who knows where podcasts will lead. But um, we do nothing if not for the listeners. So if you do have any feedback or um, questions, things you liked, things you didn't, I hope that you will reach out. Um, and Joe, how can they do that? Um, they can reach out through marketing, our marketing email would be the best way to reach us. Um, so that's the word marketing at rmiusa.com. Okay. Um, you can also call 1-800-252-5011 extension 2. That is the sales line. Marketing doesn't get their own line. But, um, you know, feel free to give us a call. Or we also, we're on social media. We have a Twitter. I think we're at RMI Corp. Is that right, Joe? Awesome. Um, we're on Facebook. I think we're, you know, facebook.com slash RMI Advantage, something like that. Um, but if you, if you look, at, look us up, um, you'll be able to find us. I hope we hear from you and stay tuned for our next episode. It should be a good one.